Good evening, everybody. Welcome to show number 37 of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. My name is Jimmy Palumbo, and I am the host of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. And as you well know, I try to say my name as much as I can at the top of the show. So again, Jimmy Palumbo here doing the Jimmy Palumbo Show. I think I said it six times. And this is show number 37. Now, as you well know, those of you scoring at home, the show number I try to equate to a uniform. And of course, I got Chris Gucci behind the glass. And I also have my sister, Mary Eileen Riccardi, sitting in here with us for the first time. She wanted to see what podcasting's all about. So she's here. We'll be talking to her later on. And um, feel free to laugh, Mary, if you, if you, if you want to laugh. Um, but show number 37. You know, I again, sometimes when you're Googling late at night, I literally went on to this one website for Yankee numbers. And I'm like, wow, like not too many people have worn number 37. Like the last guy was like Casey Stangle. And then I'm like, oh, the reason why is <laughs> they retired Casey Stangle's number, number 37. That's the number when you go to Yankee Stadium and everybody thinks they can name the numbers. They get to 37. And they don't know who Casey Stangle is. Like, wow, they retired David Cohn's number. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get real like dumb. 36. But I was embarrassed. I was like, I think Buck Harris was the other one and then Casey Stangle. But I can't do Casey Stangle. He's too big. I was going to do Larry Flowers, uh, who was a defensive back for the Giants back in the 80s, I guess 80 to 85, somewhere in there. Um, He was a pretty good, like, special teams player. But he was one of those guys, when you saw him on the field too much or when he started, he was like the poster boy. Reliability. Right. Like, he's a nice player to have on your team. But if he plays too much, you're losing or someone got hurt. He's one of those guys. But I decided to go with a guy, you know, when you're growing up in the 70s and 80s, uh, Raider football, Lester Hayes, number 37. Now, um, Lester Hayes, uh, to me, his big claim to fame really is, number one, he was a very good player. And for some people, uh, there's like this like Hall of Fame talk with him. But what he was really mostly na- known for, other than the Raiders won a lot of games, was uh, Stick'em. And guys used to put stick them on their hands all the time, but he decided to literally stick his Cover hands his in whole body. His whole body was with it. And supposedly he had like so many interceptions before stick them, then they banned it. He didn't have as much. I think because he just got older. No one's factoring that in you know, when you're in a secondary. Uh, and uh, he was actually a linebacker, Lester. I don't even know what position. No, safety. Sa- safety. Um, God, I'm losing my mind. I think he was a linebacker. He, I remember him being big, though. He was like a big safety. He seemed that way. But he was famous for having stick him all over his body, and they finally banned it in 1980. So for the first three years of his career, he had um, the stick him. And uh, he was actually a pretty good player. He played alongside uh, Mike Haynes, which is, they, had, they were one of the top secondaries. It was tough to pass against the Raiders back then. So my name is number 37 will be Lester Hayes. All right, Chris, who do you got? I was going to pander to the Giants crowd and go with Rodney Harrison because he was the one that gave up that catch in the Super Bowl to David Tyree. Okay, okay. And then I was thinking Sean Alexander because he's probably the best running back to wear number 37, but then I felt like he was too famous for this. So I went with Larry Centers. Do you know? Do you remember Larry Centers? No. He played for the Arizona Cardinals, but he was one of those guys. He played in the league for 14 years at running back. Barely ever, I do remember. Barely ever got handed the ball, but he had 850 receptions, over 8,000 receiving he, yards as a fullback. He wasn't part of the Cardinals that were still in uh, like St. Louis at the time. Was he a crossover he might, guy? I, I don't know. He's he's close. I think he was on the same team with like a Garrison Hurst, if you remember him. Okay, I there do was, remember those names. It's definitely my I remember era, the last my name. My era, basically. Okay, all right. So there he is. So you got Larry uh, Centers. Larry? 
Larry. So Flowers. we got we could have went with Larry Flowers. Would have been too loud. When you said Larry Flowers, I was like, are you really about to say Larry? No, Flowers? no, no. That's it. So our show number thirty-seven, La- Lester Hayes. Not and an easy number though. Larry Center thirty-seven was actually it was like I was kind of bored. I no, always. I almost wish all the numbers were like this because sometimes there's just too many good ones right, that you right. overlook the obscure And ones. we always have to have a semi-shitty one unless it's a personal favorite. As you well know, show number 44 and 56 will clearly be, um, uh, you know, anyway. So that's it, show number 37. A couple of things. Um, first of all, as you know, my sister who's sitting here with me thinks I'm a fat bastard. And so what happened was she said, why don't you go on the podcast and go on the scale in the morning? So I get up in the morning. I, you know, I got my underwear on and my t-shirt. Um, uh, I asked the girl to leave and now I'm joking there. I, uh, so I go in, I pee and then I get on the scale. And the first, um, week I was 218.3, which is mammoth. And then the next week I went down to 215. So I was feeling good about myself. I weighed myself this morning and I came in. It was I just had a rough weekend. And I came in at 217.8. So I'm back to being a fat bastard. Very disappointed. And I'm heading into Thanksgiving weekend. So to me, this is like, who do you play this week? Oh, not that big a deal. We play Thursday night football. We play Tom Brady. And then we have another game on the next Saturday. Uh, we play against the guy, Aaron Rodgers. That, that, that's on my schedule. So I have to somehow get thin between now and my comedy show, Saturday night at 7.30 at the Quadrant Pack Center. Well, it's a good thing that you're here because we haven't eaten since you got here no, 11 uh, so hours ago. I, I haven't eaten since uh, last like, night. You're like, are you going to order lunch? You gotta order, or, Go ahead, order your food. Okay, but first Still of all, here. first of all, uh, listen, this is the excuse part of the show. And those of you scoring at home, um, my sister's staring at me with disgust because she's eating a protein bar, which she gave me 40 of them, which tastes like shit, but I still eat them, and she eats an apple. Um, and I, of course, was doing the Nutcracker with my daughter this weekend. The shows went great. Um, uh, and what happens is, though, the guys backstage, all the dads, and we had this big table set up. They set up like it was, a, I felt like I was at a giant Packer game. The tailgate had, like, real food. He had, like, eggplant wraps, and there was, like, good cheese and pepperoni. And, of course, we had Bloody Mary mix. I had a Bloody Mary during the show. It was, like, a nice time back there. But what do you do when you're in a back room, you can't go anywhere, and there's food in front of you? I'm a cockroach. I started. I had pepperoni for no reason. I had th- two. You're off to a blistering yeah, I had start. Like two pepperoni for no reason. It's yeah, just a terrible they, thing terrible to eat. Terrible thing to eat, right? And then I'm like, uh, and my theory was, well, it's not bread. It's not bread, but it's pepperoni. It's awful. Then I started, they brought cookies back there. So, like, I was eating cookies. I didn't even want a cookie. I was just eating it. And then, um... <laughs> See, look, that, he did say there was a, there was Bloody Mary mix. So the minute he has one sniff of Bloody Mary mix, then oh yeah, now you can now talk. you can talk, man. Well, Jim, but the whole idea of this was that you're supposed to be aware of what you're eating, especially on the weekend for your weigh in on Monday. I was aware. There's like a, accountability to all your fans here. See this. See this? She's giving me the guilt, uh, the Irish guilt. Jimmy's chant, I was aware. I, I was, didn't care. I didn't care. There you go. Well, what happened was I'm backstage. I'm at the Nutcracker. It was I'm dancing with my daughter, and I decided to have Bloody Marys and eggplant wraps, and it was just... Plus, uh, you know, um, then... But last night I got home, I was actually hungry, because even though I was snacking earlier, we had to unload massive rider truck outside we had to unload all the props and for a show like nutcracker there's tons of props only the dads can do it 
bunch of guys showed up, thank God. We did all that. And I got home, it was like, I don't know, 10.30 or something like that. Long day. What do I do? I opened up, I had a couple of meatballs and a couple of pork chop pieces. I figured, ooh, no bread. But I sucked down like three small pork chops and like a meatball and a half. And then, of course, I, you know, licked the spoon on a little bit of peanut butter, creamy, or Jif, whatever it was. Had a couple glasses of wine. Watched You're painting a real disturbing picture Just right a disturbing. Now. I was, I realized, what am I doing? And I uh, I stepped on the scale, and I realized I just I just gained this weight back. But now, since we haven't eaten, I'm hoping, I wish it was doing a show tomorrow, I'd be less weight. But I will be eating my bars as soon as I'm done. So I gained weight. Uh, but this is a long-term thing. I will return, even though I'm facing Thanksgiving. I will, next Monday, you'll see, I, I will be below. You're still below the Mendoza line? Yeah, I can't. Well, two set, well, I can't go above 218, which is so pathetic. Um, well, I think he did a good job in a nutcracker, though, Jim. Oh, see so that? Just so we're clear, just, just so we're clear you are now officially a heavyweight boxer. You were officially, in, if you fought in the UFC, you'd be in the heavyweight division okay. against the big boys. Okay, That's so, where you're at right now. Okay, so basically, my sister called me a fat bastard. Wait, I did not call you a fat bastard. Yes, you did. No, I yes, did you not. Did. Well, how no, did you I word did it? Not. What? So how did you say I it? said you have to lose weight. Exactly. Okay. For health well, reasons. Right? I did not call you a fat bastard. Well, though. I see. You said that, but I only thing I heard was, you're a fat bastard. Just like when, when, when Chris yells at me, I say, well, I, I have the best podcast on your network. Stop yelling at me. Like That's when, you, how I, when you look at some of these guys that are fighters, pro fighters, and you're like, wow, that dude's fucking huge. And it's the biggest, toughest dude that you ever saw. If you happen to join that league, that's your opponent. Well, I will tell you this. How, I, that's one, where it's come to. I was at a bar once, and I, there was two guys. I forget their names now. They were not in on the Giants or Jets. But they were like two starting guys in a secondary for the Bears or some team. And, dude, I was like... That guy's a, that guy's in the NFL. If I bull rushed him, in other words, I could have. He was probably a rock, but he was. You have no idea how small some of the defensive backs are. They're oh, not, defense, they're not different. They're me. They're a little smaller. They're a little smaller, cases, but yeah. I mean, obviously, they're all muscle and they're rock. But like, no, so me. No, you're you're, yeah. you're pudgy and you can't play the outfield. Anyway, so I'm fat and uh, heading into Thanksgiving weekend. Tough opponent. A couple of things I have to say. Um, my brother, the harshest critic of my podcast is my brother. So basically, my brother bashes the podcast when I make mistakes, and my sister calls me a fat bastard. Um, only I give you constructive criticism. Though. Oh, what a constructive! Teacher. Can you tell she was a former gym teacher for thirty years? I have. To, I made a gross error in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I addressed the first one was saying that Rutgers Miles Johnson made a lateral move to UCLA. <laughs> they were in the Final Four, they're ranked number two, and Rutgers, of course, stinks because they, they lost to DePaul. Uh, they're 3-1, and one, haven't played well yet, and they look awful. So I made a mistake there. The other brutal mistake, and I have to completely um, take down uh, uh, Chris on this, I was saying someday Mike Messina could be in the Hall of Fame, and he's already in the Hall of Fame. That's a, we, we can't, I can't make mistakes like that, bro. Do you mm -hmm. agree with me on that? I do, yeah. And and there was part of me, like when you said that, he should be in. And I started to think to myself, I'm like, I'm pretty sure. But I was like, we're on. I think that was also probably at the back end of a long Monday as well, where I was like, I'm not even trying to go, go okay, there right but now. We, we, that's something that me and you can't make mistakes no like more, that. No more, Especially uh, on, a, on a sports podcast network yeah. where we're both fans of the team that he played for that's in yeah the, the other thing is and i'm not going to get into an argument I, I watched the whole lebron james thing elbow in the guy i just think lebron james great player um 
probably the second best player of all time, maybe third if Durant plays another five years. Oh, but stop, Durant's the, not the, in that conversation. But that's not here. Yes, we'll, that's we'll, not what we're talking we'll about. I think he time. is, but that's another conversation there. Um, LeBron, you hit the guy in the elbow, and then you back away. You let all your other people get in front of you. I think LeBron James is such a wuss. Um, I know you don't, so I don't want to get into argument. But he hit the guy, cheap shot right in the elbow. You're, you're LeBron James. You don't elbow people up high in the face, please. And I did, since I don't care about either one of those teams, Detroit or the Lakers, I did get a kick into that guy losing his mind. And uh, I talked to a couple people that say, they actually like the way he plays the game. The guy plays hard, supposedly. But I don't mind the first 20 seconds the guy reacted, bleeding, aggravated. But it was like two minutes. It's well, like, look, all right, bro. There was a lot. There's hard player. You know, he's a scrappy little player for sure. But the Pistons haven't won a basketball game in like four right. seasons. So, so how he, great could he be? And he didn't. You're saying I, I didn't mind the first 20 seconds. No. Well, the first 20 seconds, him and LeBron were face to face and he said nothing. It wasn't until they were separated for about two minutes before he started freaking out the way he did. So, yeah, so somebody else must have said, "Oh, LeBron was doing you know, not moving." Well, no, his I mouth. just think that the blood wasn't so bad. Once he saw <sighs> his own blood, that was it. I don't want, listen. I think he's such a wuss. Great player, but a wuss. And he, listen, I'm sure. I'm sure next year Harden and Durant will be on the Lakers, so they'll, they'll have the greatest team ever assembled. Instead of he should have stayed in Cleveland, he would have been a god. But no, he has to go. And anyway, I'm not a LeBron fan. Never will be. Uh, Rutgers, my McScarlet Knights, horrific loss to Penn State. They lost 28 nothing. I couldn't be there. I was doing the Nutcracker with my daughter. I was performing, but I did tape it and watched it. I listened to it on the radio a little bit backstage for a lot of it, actually. Um, but I had a different, after watching it uh, uh, later, I have a different feel about it. I, I don't think Rutgers played all that bad. It was 7 nothing, so there was 3 minutes and 40 seconds left to go um, in the half. I mean, in the third quarter. And Penn State's a pretty good team to only hold them to seven. Uh, the, uh, the, back, the backup quarterback they brought into the game, a couple of his touchdown passes were, like, thrown. It was pressure on him the whole game. The one he tossed in the corner of the end zone, I thought, I thought the Rutgers defense just got worn down a little bit because the Rutgers offense couldn't do a thing. The one big play they had, the 70-yard run, was on a bust. I think Rutgers defense played very well and hard, and I think that's uh, that's a little bit of the seed of Shiano teams. I think you're going to see, I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see Rutgers being a much better defensive team. The thing that annoys me is their offense is just not a lot of talent on the offensive line and receivers. And another thing, we got this quarterback, Gavin Wimsett, who should be in high school, uh, getting ready to go to his prom, but he's here now. And he could only play four games, right? So he already played in three. They have one more game against Maryland. If they win the Maryland game, they go to a bowl, which would be, I think, Seattle's coach of the year in the Big Ten if they go to a bowl. I really do. Um, the mm. problem is I if he plays against Maryland and he wins, then he can't play in the bowl game. And the games that he's played have been so inconsequential. One game was just one play. One game he came in for two series. Against Penn State, what was he doing in that well, game? Can I, can, I give, can I give my take on it? Um, why I think I don't think that they're trying to put him in, in any leverage situation whatsoever. They want to get his feet wet a little bit. I think that they'll use him in the Maryland game if it dictates the situation, but I don't think that they have plans to use him in the bowl game. I think that's more of a thing that guys that have been there, they're established, they're going to win that game because it's a bowl game, but they're putting him in an inconsequential situation <sighs> because they don't necessarily believe that he's ready, but they want to get him a little bit okay, of experience. Okay, what if it's 14 all to half and Vedral, who's been hurt during every game, 
Wimsack comes in and wins the game. He can't play in the bowl game. It's ridiculous. I, I get what you're saying, but they didn't use him right. If you're going to use him for three games already, we should know a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but is he is he the guy that comes in if Vedro gets hurt for sure, or is he just the? He has guy? been no, he but he's coming in not in non leverage situations. But if if is I, he the QB two or is he the the gimmick guy right now? Well, uh, he, you understand the question. I do, right? but yeah. I, I I and and Seattle doesn't answer the questions right at the the pressers. I um. I don't think it was done right. I think you should have held. He should have had two L games eligible right now. That's my opinion. But listen, Rutgers. I I don't even think um, the hoops things disgust me. They lost to DePaul. They haven't been playing well. That annoys my soul. The Knicks look awful. Vegas totally got it right. I'm convinced now. They said what the over and under was 41. We were like, no way. We're all excited. But Vegas, you don't mess with Vegas. The Knicks are gonna with with 10 games to go. The Knicks. Either way, you bet. Over you're in it, it, you're in it or out of it. Right, yeah. you're gonna be right in it, which that aggravates my soul. Um, of course, I have. Uh, I did create um, a new. Uh, where the heck is it? It's right here. Just to let you guys know, I did create, uh, and every week we're gonna do this, and I'll do it fast because I think every, most of the teams in the NFL stink. So I created the Jimmy Palumbo's. I'm gonna put a disclaimer out. I do not agree with this list. Okay, but in, in the you don't of you keeping don't things relatively. Short on this one. Yes, I won't be, comment on everything. You can I make a few. With. I have right now, and I'm going to do this every week uh, quickly. I have 12 teams that stink, 11 that are average, eight good, and um, only one very good. Now, I think uh, I'll blow through this. You're going to agree with me on all the stinks, except one. Okay. Who do you have? Now, I have ready. I'll, I'll rattle them off. Seahawks, these are all the stink teams Seahawks stink, Falcons stink, Lions stink, the Saints stink. Bears stink, Giants stink, Redskins stink, uh, Jaguars stink, Texans stink, Steelers stink because they just lost last night at that game. They stink. The Jets stink and the Miami Dolphins stink. Now the average teams, which I think you, I think you think of some of the average teams should be on the stink list. Am I right? Yeah. Here are my average teams: the Bills, the Bengals, the Colts, the Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Panthers. And the 49ers, that's average. Now, the good teams, I have eight of them. And they are, let's see, where are my good teams? The Cardinals, the Buccaneers, the Packers. Only reason why I put them down, they were on a VG, very good. But I had to bounce them to G because they lost. They looked awful this week. Dallas Cowboys, they lost. They looked awful. They're back to good. Kansas City Chiefs, I think they stink. They're on the good list. Tennessee Titans are good. Even though they lost, I'm holding eight and three. I'm keeping them in the good. Uh, Baltimore Ravens is good, and the New England Patriots have now been bounced up to good. The only very good team I have on the list, and this is something we're going to argue over. I'm still going to stick with the Los Angeles Rams as being very good. Um, so that's my list. Every week we're going to go through this, but right now it's twelve stinks, eleven average, eight good, and one very good. So I had to get that out of the way. Okay, so I won't bash your list entirely, but based on you saying that the Packers just lost a road game in the division to I the just Minnesota bounced them Vikings, to very good to good. Them to very good, but the team that you, the one and only very good team that you have, is coming off of two straight losses, where in which they've been outscored fifty six to sixteen. I, I agree, but because of the bye, I didn't. I didn't want to move. It's like at the college poll. If you didn't play, I can't move you. I would have if they lost again this week. Well, guess who they play next? Who do they play? The Rams play the Packers, baby, in Lambeau. So, 
what really it is, it's the right for the very good uh, label. It's, so this we're, is we're the very good. The right this is the, the Chop very Sports team. Very Good Bowl. I think the announcers on the network should say, hey, good evening, everybody. The winner is on Jimmy Palumbo's very good list. The loser. Now, the Packers lose again. They could be approaching, you know, A, the average list. But I, 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 they got to lose a lot more games before I bounce them that low. Yeah, I'm That's my at, fun list. I'm going to do it every – it's ba- – listen, guys. If you're listening to me, you know I think the, NFL, the whole NFL stinks. The game stinks. The penalties, it's stupid. Um but I'm a fan of the Giants. I think the Giants are going to win tonight. It's, I'm just a fan. I, I'm just waiting for this Brady Lego. I feel like Brady's been playing Jenga for the last two years, and he never loses. But he, the thing has to fall eventually. No, he doesn't lose in the playoffs. But he has he has his moments in the regular season where they're not good. I just think the Giants have their offensive weapons the back. Giants cover. All right, and also, it's a shout-out to Mike Francesa. Um, just shut up, bro. His tweet about I can... Francesa was mad that Noah Syndergaard went uh, to the Angels. He took the $25 million, which to me, it's absurd that anybody... I think I think Noah Syndergaard stinks. It's over for him. First of all, if you're a player in Major League Baseball that has pitched two games in two years and, and someone offers you $21 million, yeah, yeah okay, I so might never pitch again. I'm even, taking that money. Even if the Mets signed him, I think it's a dumb deal. Anyway, it's the way the major... But that's like me sounding like a grandpa now. That's what the money... That's what the market bears. But Francesa's got a tweet. I competed in New York for 35 years, uh, and uh, Noah Syndergaard just ran away. First of all, you didn't compete. You're a radio voice. You're a, and Noah Syndergaard said you're nothing but a gas bag commenting on. He's so right. He's like, oh, wait, you're still alive? Congrats. I saw the, the I competed. competed. That's like me saying, I'm Jimmy Plumbo, and I competed against the podcast world, against, you know, against Joe Rogan. Will you just shut up? I'm tired of him. He's old. Hey, it's how, time how to about go this? Away. How about this, Francesa? If Sirius Satellite Radio offered you a hundred million dollars more than the than the WFAN, you wouldn't no longer be competing in New York. You would go where the money was, right. just like everybody and, else. Just would. like, just please. And play, I don't, know, I don't. Know. And the Mets are all messed up. And Noah Syndergaard said, "Hey, I don't know who the GM is. I don't know what's going on." I have a question. If it's if it's I always ask this question. Okay, oh, he took a little bit more money to go play for another team. Oh, he took all this for a few more dollars. Well, if it's only a few dollars, then why doesn't the billionaire owner just pay him a few more dollars to stay? Right, I know. I know. The guy hasn't pitched. I I feel like he Optics. pitched in the 86 series and hasn't pitched since. He's one of those guys, I think he's 45 years old. All right, some other news of the day. Now I'm aggravated. Still right about my list. I can't wait to do it next week. It's going to be part of, that's going to be part of the show, Who Jimmy Thinks Stinks. Um, and you can only do it in the NFL because even though Major League Baseball, a lot of teams think it's not as fun because they play every three days and it's not good. Um, I got to make a comment. Now, I'm going to get bashed for this. I don't know. Um, and my sister right now is violating the golden rule. What's the golden? Hey, Chris, what's the golden rule of Jimmy Plumbo's podcast? I'm going to violate it right now as okay. you're asking me. When you're in on my show, you can't be staring at your phone. That means you're not engaging in what I'm saying. So when I look at you, all I see is the top of your head. I but didn't I, realize I was ready to come on. You're on now. All right. All right. So don't, don't look at your phone of, on Facebook. I'm not looking at it right now. See that? Is that what you had to say? Was that your announcement or did you just interrupt your announcement to, to talk shit? Well, yeah. a couple of things. Number one, I got to give a shout out to my sister, even though she's being rude and on her phone. The my sister did a wonderful thing this weekend. What she did was she went to the Penn State Rutgers game. I'm in the Nutcracker. 
my mother, she's getting older. She was going to a place. She didn't know how to get there. She probably would have figured it out, but I would have been stressful. Ma, where are you? She can't follow a GPS, blah, blah, blah. She prints out the directions, old school. My sister woke up at 6.30, 7 a.m., left Penn State, drove from Penn State all the way back to her house, shit showered and shaved, ended up picking up my mother and driving her to the Nutcracker so my uh, Natalie's aunt and grandmother could see her perform. And that deserves a little Chop Sports Network round of applause. That was very nice. I appreciate that. Even though you call me a fat bastard and you're rude in the studio, I still can't take, you can't take away, it's like the Trent Dilfer. You win one, you can't, you just can't take it away no matter what you say. When, it doesn't matter, you are a non-factor in this entire equation. When she comes through for your mother and your daughter, you have nothing to say. Other than, the end. so even if she's being rude in the studio, you I have still nothing, can't, you say can't say a word. No, she's here. Okay. She's all she's doing. The, the way I'm gathering this is she's just all supportive. Yes. And you're talking shit for what I reason? Know. I don't know. I'll, I'll because she's being yeah. rude. She's being rude. And she called me fat. And um, yes, you did. You said you have to lose weight. And I interpreted that as I have well, a great interpreter. it was interpreter. worth seeing the Nutcracker. Your yeah. daughter Natalie did a very good job. She was very animated. She's a little actress herself. And you're gonna. Well, rumor has it you took some videos, and we're gonna post them on Chop Sports Media. I, I gotta send them to Dave. I thought I was wonderful. I thought I stole the show. <laughs> uh, next year they're gonna call it Jimmy Palumbo presents the Net the Nutcracker. Um, but it was a great show. But I thank you for that. But here's something. Uh, maybe my sister has an opinion on this. Um, Number one, if you really, uh, my sister's starting a new podcast here. It's called uh, Little House on the Prairie because my sister and her friend uh, Debbie Luzak and her friend Paula know more about Little House on the Prairie than any three people known to man. Chris, well, ever watched Little Carol. House on the Prairie? Okay, it's Carol. About it. she's like, they're experts on it. And I, yeah. when I was little, I had to watch because we had the one TV and when my sister put Little House on the Prairie on, we couldn't change it. Um, but this whole Britney Spears thing, I'm not going to get involved with conservatorships and all that. I don't really understand it. But it <coughs> sounds like the guy took a beat in the father, right? And all this stuff. But there was a time when Britney Spears was out of her mind, shaving her head on TV and all this different stuff. So this is my take, and maybe I'm so wrong on this. So maybe the father's a jerk-off. I don't know. Probably is. A little bit of a scumbag. But Britney Spears, to me, has been irrelevant for how long now? Good eight, nine years, and she's worth right now $60 million, okay? So this jerk-off father, when her daughter was going off the rails, somehow at the end of his camp, end of his uh, administration as conservator, she's still worth $60 million. So what I want to do is, it's November 21st, Britney Spears is worth $60 million. I want to, about five years from now, if I'm still doing this show, I want to find out, what is Britney Spears worth? And I really think within five to 10 years, she will be broke. Well, I don't agree with that. And I also think that she'd be worth a lot more than 60 million if she wasn't involved with him for all that time because how much of that money was taken? Like how much would it have been if it wasn't the 60 mil? Okay. Right, or if he so, wasn't in the picture. Okay. There's some dark, weird shit that took place. <coughs> no doubt. In this entire No doubt, situation. but I'm just telling you that I think... Already she's tweeting out weird stuff. She's been a half-nude Instagram post and all that. I think I think she's still a little bit of a troubled soul. And when you factor in Britney Spears, Free Britney, Troubled Soul, 
she's not a young chicken anymore. Uh, you know, she's not Adele. I think Britney Spears is in for a rough road. I think that there's there's potential there. I'm not going to co-sign the prediction out of sheer. I'm, now I'm, I'm not, not saying the yet. reason was. Uh, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not saying. Uh, I think the father, that whole conservative. I did read uh, how weird the weird. There's certain people that are not stars where they had an issue when they're 18 and they're like their family is worth a lot of money. And the father, the woman, a woman's like 45 years old, and father still controls, the, like the father's estate. Father and mother are dead, and like the sister controls the money that's supposed to go to her because she was like a crazy teen. So I know there's some really weird shit people do with that. But I just, everybody's like, oh, good, free Britney. She's back. She controls her own money. And I'm like, okay. That'd be like, we, you know. The only chance I'd say as a performer would be to maybe land some type of Vegas gig where, well, it's she, like, where she doesn't have The to father travel. set that up already. Does she still have it, though? She, no, not now, because she bailed on it. And they said she was worried about her dad wanted her to do different day. I don't know, that whole thing. To me, when you're making a lot, anybody doing a show in Vegas, the money's insane. You don't quit that show. So uh, just a little prediction. I, 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 I'm not rooting against her at all. I hope, listen, I, I'm in showbiz. I hope she makes more money than God. I just think this could be a recipe for disaster when, you know, and I think the father's going to be like, I told you. It was good to have us running the show. But I don't know. I could, bro, what are you, your thoughts on you think she's going to be okay? I don't know that she's going to be okay mentally because mental illness is mental illness. Conservatorship. I think may have been a contributor to that long term. I think ha being underneath somebody's thumb for that long and not being able to have any free will, I think that'll take its toll on anybody mentally. That's I true. think she had that's episodes true. here and there, and I think that there could be some type of manic situation. But I, I think that's fleeting, and you know how that goes, or you don't. But, I'm but not sure. I'm not, but I'm not. I'm not downgrading any kind of mental health. I'm saying that. Okay, if she has mental health issues, it's just it's a horrible. Believe me, I know about it. Um, that's fine, but like, I just get the feeling that it's like, oh, finally, we got rid of that dad. Well, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we don't know, because nobody really knows. Maybe the father was like, I know my, my, I know my daughter's gonna hate me, but I'm gonna do the right thing and can and do good things, and so. I think that there could have you been, know what I mean? if, if he ever wanted to do the right thing, there was plenty of opportunity to do the right thing while he was in charge of, of the conservatorship, and he didn't. So I think he loses all credibility right. and, and good, how do you say, like he, he doesn't, I don't see him as a good person based no, on I, the I, other facts that are there. The, some of the facts that came out, but I'm just, I, it's more, it's less about whether the father's a jerk off or not. It's just that sometimes when you have reins on you, right? In other words, I, I, the, I just wouldn't be surprised. Making, the point you're making is she made it out of the other side of this whole 12-year thing with $60 million that if she didn't, she either A, could never even, she might not even be alive for, at this point, or right. she could have no money already to this point. So $60 million, there was some good decisions made along the way. Correct. And that if she, that's that. what I'm trying to say. The, some decisions, money-wise, yeah. were good. Because I just think if five years from now, if she's like a total mess, now it might be because of mental health, that's fine, but... You could have meant like she should still have her sixty million though. Like here's the thing, oh. I don't think that she was ever not a total mess. It was just she, nobody got to see it, so it's not like she's like oh all of a sudden she's she's crazy again. Right. No, she was she was probably going through the same thing throughout it, but was just not willing to perform, not willing to do the things that maybe made her herself because she didn't want to make other people money anymore. There's something 
to be well, said for that th- as well. There could be. I just, I don't know, for some reason, and I didn't follow, listen, it would, by the way, this, this story is actually old now, so I'm not, I'm yeah. no breaking news here. But I just think there's something, like, I just said, was, was there any redeeming value of the way her financial situation was set up? We shall see. So I don't want to hear people call me up. Yeah, you're mad against people with mental health. No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking, you know what it is? You know you're going to get a text. I couldn't, I can't listen to your podcast anymore. I, you talk too bad about Britney Spears. Oh, bashing Britney Spears. I, I didn't even bash the Cowboys yet, even though they got smoked. Trivia, who played better against the Chiefs, Giants or the Cowboys? Answer is the Giants. Um, I got released on my Xfinity commercial. I was two for two with auditions here. I auditioned here on... But I got released, which stinks, because that would have been a big money job. So I'm now two for three with auditions here from the FlippingMadeEasy.com studios here in downtown Matawan. Um, And, of course, I got the big show. Do not forget, big, big show this Saturday over at uh, the Carteret Performing Arts Center. I should have the number in front of me. I wrote it down. I don't know what it is. Go to go to my website. Go to my Twitter and Facebook. I'll be posting it. Um, please order tickets. Just stay tuned to this podcast because I'm dropping that commercial in uh, a little we're gonna, bit. Oh, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Okay, we'll be dropping a, and you're going to enter the. Does it have the phone number to call? It does. Well, see that I love. See, Mayor. One of the things you don't understand is, occasionally, Chris is a wonderful producer of the show. He shows up. You know, even though he's wearing the fuchsia. Uh, sweatshirt again that his girlfriend bought for him. So I can tell if they're getting in a fight, he wears that. So that way she sees it on the TV and she, you know, everything's okay. Um, even though she texted me all last night, I can't stay, I can't handle him when the Packers lose. I can't she handle left. him. She left. She left. Yeah. I agree with her. You guys were obnoxious. You know? How funny is it that you wanted to call in sick today because the Packers lost, but yet you're, you work for a sports oh. The sports media company. That's why I opened. You're like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. <laughs> and you have you to know? come in and talk about that's. You know what it's like? It's like getting food poisoning, and you're a chef. Any yeah. fan of any team or anything? Yeah. You, if you're, if you watch your team lose, typically that's like I'm banned from watching right. Sports Center that week. Now I have to come in and be well, Sports I, Center. F- listen, for, for years I used to say. When the Giants lose, the beauty of television, you could just watch other shows, not sports. But now, in the middle of a cooking show, they're like, hey, now take the eggplant. And hey, those Giants, they couldn't score last night. You're like, no matter where you go, there's some reminder that your team lost. Um, so I know that pain. But when you get older and fat, um, you can um, you realize that, hey, you know, um, what are you going to do? Uh, you got to get over it. Life is not just an NFL game, but... Packers and Cowboys lost. The Giants didn't yet. So that's it. Now, uh, when we come back, we are going to have a very special guest. That's kind of a quick uh, thing that happened. Uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. You know, myself and Gooch are both getting a little older. One of the first things to go is your vision. Thank goodness for our hookup over at Absolute Eyewear in Woodbridge, New Jersey, right on Main Street next to the train station. They have glasses for all ages, all budgets. They have safety glasses, sports glasses. They are a full-service powerhouse offering eye exams and even free lenses for the kids. They work with BCBS, AAA, AARP, giving massive discounts. They're open five days a week, closed on Wednesdays and Sundays. Call 732-326-3937 to get your first pair of Ray-Ban, Burberry, Coach, Polo, you name it. They got it. Go see Craig and Janine right now. 
All right, we are back. Now, I got a very special guest. As you well know, I am doing a big comedy show on November 27th. That's this Saturday night at 7.30 with Mike Marino. But And also Steve Travelese is going to be there from New Jersey 101.5. Uh, please order your tickets. But there's another guy on the bill who I never met, but we kind of have a connection. And his name is uh, Jack Jr. What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, it's crazy. I know uh, your family uh, runs and owns the Ha Ha Cafe. Um, I know your dad did. I know you yeah. run it now as well. With uh, your stand-up, but you also uh, run a comedy club. Yeah. But I used to hang out at that place. Like uh, I lived in uh, Valley Village, which is five minutes away. And I remember your dad, when, as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, your dad was like the most friendly comedy guy ever um i was kind of new to comedy at the time stand up anyway and uh, he was always giving us uh, uh chicken quesadillas and he would buy an occasional drink and um he was just like the nicest guy and i'm like that's how it should be you know there's always issues with club owners and comics but uh that's the natural thing of it but like he was like a nice guy off the off stage it was great He's got that East Coast vibe because he's from Jersey. That's why. There you go. Jersey's in the house. So, um, so you guys, uh, you, so you, I guess I'm assuming you grew up inside the Ha Ha Cafe. I literally grew up. I had no childhood. I would go from school to the club every day. And That's I awesome. learned I learned uh, the ins and outs. I remember when I got older and I go, Dad, I really want to go to college. He goes, what college? Are you crazy? This is college. <laughs> hey, he's right, man. He's right in many ways. You learn you learn a lot from uh, hanging out with a bunch of uh, drug addicts and drunks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Like, Did literally, he say like, that? Did he say, I want you to grow up and someday I want you to kill yourself right as your career is starting <laughs> to go up? <laughs> That's a terrible joke, is it? Ter I take that, that back. Terrible, but it's all right. But you, you get what I'm talking to I another. Get what I'm saying. Like, I, he, he would always say, "Take what's good, leave what's bad." And I would learn. I learned a lot of bad shit at a young age, but it made me grow up a lot quicker. You know, like I got married at 24, had a kid at 24, got divorced at 25, so I became a comedian instantly. There you go. You got a whole new set. <laughs> so I, I think you did it on purpose. You're like, you know what? I need new material. Let me have a kid. Ooh, I need another set. Let me let me get married. Oh, I need a better set. Let me get divorced. You know I think so too, because that's all I talk about. I talk about my ex-wife and my son and yeah, I, growing up. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all I do. I've had some life changes myself. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, I get where you're coming from. That has not uh, entered my uh, stage life yet, but someday it will. Um, I hope you're uh, even though I hope you're still a good daddy. Hope you see your kid all the time. Oh yeah, I'm a great father. I'm a great father. I, I love, I'm actually having another one on the way right now. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. So let's. All right. So your family's involved with the comedy business, but you're a stand-up. So what's uh, right. what's happening? What do you got going on? So right now, what I got going on, uh, I got a, I got a couple, I got a pilot for America's Funniest Videos coming out. Um, I'm writing a, I'm writing a cartoon. I'm pitching a cartoon. Uh, I've been on a bunch of sketches and online stuff. The whole TikTok generation, which is, I'm not really proud of, but it's, I'm out hey, there. Hey, it's creativity, yeah. man. It's awesome. And uh, I'm touring. I'm, I'm actually touring. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna shoot my hour uh, next year in July. Oh, so, congrats! Yeah, thank you. I just shot an, I shot a 15 minute comedy thing for amazon laugh after dark last year uh, a lot of stuff's been happening i'm working with a lot of uh, good people uh mike marino uh gave me this opportunity to come to jersey with you guys and we thought we mix up the italians and armenians and mexicans on a show and see what we could do well that um 
Uh, I just realized I'm looking down. And I should be looking at this camera, just to, even though we're all audio only. Um, yeah, Mike is uh, Mike's a great guy. He's always been very, very, very kind to me over the years. Um, and I just said to myself, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing, I'm posting your face on my social media, and I'm like, who the hell is this Jack Junior guy? <laughs> Might as well call him <laughs> up. I sent somebody. A couple people got some annoying emails, uh, I mean, text messages from me, and it wasn't you. So uh, <laughs> finally I realized I had to go back and realize, wait a minute, he that's his. I, I figured it out through the group text again. So yeah, Mike keeps telling me to reach out to you, and I'm like, he hasn't reached out to me once. <laughs> I know. It's, I, I did. So some, some asshole got a text from saying hey jack what's going on so probably thinks i'm a creep but uh he probably thought i was an asshole this kid's not getting back to me and then i said i'm here at the studio recording the podcast i was like if, if he calls me back right now we're throwing him out and find out and then i found out you're, you're involved with the haha and i'm like i used to perform there years ago it's a it's a it's a much better club now than it was uh 100 when it first started out it was it was a like it was we were, my parents were so new to comedy man it became it was an accident why it became a comedy club. It wasn't even supposed to become a comedy club. It was a Mexican restaurant where they did a karaoke. And then one night, uh, Buddy Lewis and Kim Whitley walked in and saw the stage, the lights and all that. And uh, they're like, oh, you." they go to my father. They go, oh, you guys do comedy here? And my dad, without skipping a beat, yeah, we do everything, comedy, music, la, la. And I then it became, it became a full-blown comedy I club. Was, I was part of the first ha-ha comedy festival i was ran by a husband and wife you probably know who they are oh god barbara and dave yeah and uh i think i uh but they went by audience how the audience led i had a good set too but i didn't bring as many people i'm not from california and yeah. i remember like somebody who got like more they literally went by who was cheering more afterwards and then i learned and you can relate to this i was like they were very nice uh barbara and dave but i was like that's not the way you're supposed to do it because then people go in there know they got to cheer louder afterwards. Yeah, it's like a false sense of who is uh, who's um, good or not. But uh, it was a cute little show. There were some good comedians on that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's called a, that's called the Uncle Clyde's Comedy Con Festival. There you go. I still have paperwork from that. It's so funny. They literally, they, they you know they opened up a comedy club, right? No, I didn't even know that. I lost touch they with them. Opened up their own comedy club. Yeah. Oh, wait, in Arizona or something like that? Not in no, LA. It's in LA, too. They opened up their own comedy club. Oh, wow, 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 wow. We, yeah. I just drove into Burbank, and I saw that one. That That's was, the one they own. They own Flappers? They own Flappers. I got to get in touch. You know, it's so funny. When I I was in LA for six days, literally, yeah. I'm making connections, and I was like, I didn't know about that. The, the ha-ha move down the street. We, I, I took my nephew down to downtown Burbank just to have a few laughs shown that area. And I saw flappers, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is all these clubs? I, and I, I couldn't, I had no one to call to go up, maybe do a set somewhere. So Yeah, it's crazy, because Barbara and Dave, after all like, that we were did for them, you know, they were at the hall all the time, we showed them all that love. I guess they don't, they don't, they don't really like us. <laughs> so it's, it's, <laughs> okay, well, there you go. funny. <laughs> I'm creating a comedy, uh, well, I guess you're, you guys are competing for the same. Uh, uh, no, nah, we're not competing. It's all, there's, there's so much room for uh comedy and it's funny that the comedians don't care they just want to have rooms to perform and you yeah, know comedians are sluts they go anywhere <laughs> there you go <laughs> but no you guys are doing uh you guys are doing great there so uh so you got this pilot stuff going on you're writing for animation you're flying back here to do this show at the 
Carteret, I'm telling you, dude, Carteret Performing Arts Center, this place is gorgeous. You're going to get a real kick out of it. I it's, can't wait to see it. It's brand new. We're uh, we're doing a big, please try to promote as much as you can. We're doing a big push this week. Obviously, the show's in six days uh, for tickets. We're trying to get as many people in there. Uh, it's it's certainly a big room. Um, but it's how might many, be. How many does it hold? How many does it hold? I think it holds. I, According to the website, it holds sixteen hundred, but I think they have ways of not, you know, shutting some areas down um, because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to bring four people, and you're. I want you to bring fifteen hundred ninety six people so we can sell it out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring my my East Coast family, which is like. 72 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a bunch of people. Make sure they call for tickets, though, so we look good on the uh, on the ticket list thing. 100%. But it seems like every day the ticket sales are going up, which is cool. And Marino, of yeah, course. A lot of people, lot of people buy, buy stuff last minute, and it's Black Friday, too. I'm pretty sure Mike will throw a Black Friday promo, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe buy one, get, you know, buy one, get eight tickets free or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> uh but listen, man. I, I mean, what? I, I, this is a, such a pleasure. I can't believe I'm. Um, I, please tell your dad I said hello. He won't remember me, but if, maybe he will. Um, me and Eddie my Driscoll. Very good with, my dad's very good with voices. I'm pretty sure if you heard your voice, he would totally remember you. There you go. And well, you have a very well, distinct voice. So, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of comedy do you do? Would you say comedy? How would you describe I, so I talk about family. I'm very. I talk about my family, my parents. I'm, my mother's Mexican. My father's Middle Eastern. Okay. So it's a very, it's a very weird situation. And growing up in that situation, I talk about that. I talk about being married, at 24, divorced. I was a strip club DJ. I talk about paying child support, spousal support. Nice. Don't give it I, all I, away. You know what? I'm just gonna. If you don't mind, in my set, I'm just gonna talk about your family. Is that a problem? You okay with that? Go, on, go for it. <laughs> Wow, this is exciting. Jack Jr. getting involved here on the Jimmy Palumbo Show. Comedian from Los Angeles via New Jersey because he was born in New Jersey. And what was that? You said you were born in New Jersey. No, it was my father was. Oh, your my father, father was. was. All right. You were born in I'm L.A. Born in, I'm, from, I'm, from, I'm from a Cali kid. I'm a Cali kid. Oh, so you're like a real, you're a real Angelino then, as they say. I'm a real Cali kid. I was born and raised in California. They're, they're rare. That's like a rare breed. That's like very a, rare. That's like being like a like an albino uh, uh, small person. <laughs> um, uh, that's, every I lived in LA for ten years. I met no one who was born born there, <laughs> or they wouldn't admit it. Yeah. I met a guy who was like, "Yeah, I just tell people I'm not from here, so I feel like I fit in." Yeah, everyone's like, where are you from originally? I'm like, California. No, no, where, where really? Where are you from? I go, California. <laughs> like, but your parents, I go, well, they're from, not from here, but I'm, I was born here. That's great. That's great. Well, listen, man, thank you so much. Um, uh, please, uh, I just liked you on Instagram or followed you. I sound like my Perfect. grandfather now. Um, I'm going to be fun. <laughs> I got the interweb. I got the kid. He's on the gram thing. He's on the, uh, the gram cracker. I got you on that. And on the Twitter shitter thing, I got you on that. And uh, you can promote the Jimmy Palumbo show to all your many followers. <laughs> we can Perfect. see how many people we can get in the seats on Saturday night, November 27th, live from the Carteret Performing Arts Center with Je uh, Steve, Steve Travelese, Jimmy Palumbo, Jack Jr., and the world-famous Mike Marino getting involved in Carteret Thanksgiving weekend. Listen, man, happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you, I guess, Saturday night. I'll see you Saturday night, brother. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. You got it, man. Thank you so much. Cheers.
Hey, Chop Sports family, it's Jimmy Palumbo here. I am doing a stand-up show on November 27th, Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend at 7.30 p.m. at the Carteret Performing Arts and Event Center with great comedian Mike Marino. Phone number 877-849-2722 for tickets. Again, 877-849-2722, November 27th, 7.30. Jimmy Palumbo and Mike Marino live from Carteret, Central New Jersey's in the house. All right, that was so good to talk to Jack Jr. I can't believe it. I probably met him as a little kid when I was doing comedy out in L.A. 20 years ago. Um, I can't wait to meet him again on uh, Saturday. Again, Saturday, Carteret Performing Arts Center. The number is 877-849-2722. That's Saturday, November 27th, Thanksgiving weekend, 730, Carteret Performing Arts Center. This place is gorgeous. Look it up online. If you, I, I don't even know what. It's a, probably one of the. Top eight theaters in New Jersey. This place is new. It's gorgeous. It's big. It's cool. And that number is 877-849-2722. And tell, uh, tell them that Jimmy Palumbo sent you. Um, I was, uh, while I was busy getting fat this week, um, I, uh, I was able to watch that show Dope Sick. Did you see that? Yeah. Wow. That show is it's crazy. Um, the cast is great. That's what got me into okay, it. Now to start. I um, I wrote down you know I wrote down some notes. Um, the um, Michael Keaton it was just so good in it. But the other guy who I love that guy Michael Stolberg, who was great in uh, Your Honor. He was good in Boardwalk Empire. He's got this creepy. So just to give the listeners an idea, they might not know the name, but I think that if they've watched Boardwalk Empire, it's the guy that played Arnold Rothstein. Right. One of the best. Jobs I've ever seen in any gangster show. He's he's got that. And it's Michael Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg. Yeah. He's got that creepy, um, silent killer, nasty. Don't fuck with me thing. It's like it's a he very nails unas- that. very unassuming. Right, and his performances are subtle. It's you know what it is. He plays the kind of roles where I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do that because it's like very. He's got. Different facial expressions when he stares into the camera. Something, it's, it's something to watch. The other thing is a young actor, Will Poulter, who plays the sales rep. I think he's very good in that. He he plays that guy. You've seen him come along of late, where he's starting to right, really and, blossom as a good actor. Right, I and, think. But I think the uh, uh, the also um, um, Felissa Sue, who played the uh, the other sale, the girl sales rep. Sales rep. I was looking at her, going, "This girl's hot. Who is this girl?" And she's been in Hamilton. <laughs> she's like has the one of the main roles in Hamilton. So she is awesome. But I also the big the big actress in the show. I think the one who's going to be we'll be talking about the most is Caitlin uh, Deaver. I guess it is who plays Betsy. And I won't reveal what happens to her, but um, she plays a great role. Uh, somebody who's a, tr- a really cool drug addict role. I think she nails that. And you know that some of the characters on the show, different different people were actually real, real people that either had uh, addiction. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cool because I noticed I'm watching some you of. You could the- tell with the writing that that show was done by people that are very have a very intimate relationship with that whole world. Whether right. either they lost somebody or yes. they're, they're and dealing with somebody that's struggling. Now, for those those of you who don't uh, who don't really know about the show. It's really the name of the show could, should have been called the Oxycontin Show. You know, uh, many of you don't know. I guess about fifteen years ago, the 
20 years ago? It was ago, more maybe? than 20, like 25 years ago. Yeah, 25, 20, 25 years ago, really. Um, and it's something that Rush Limbaugh got hicked, hooked on. That drug, Oxycontin, which was designed as a uh, opioid, but a, a time release. So they said, no, you can't get addicted because little by little it lets out during the day. And it was supposed to be this big thing for um, for pain management. So one of the big pharmaceutical companies, they weren't even that big. They were a player, though. They, they put all their money in the basket on this drug. And as it turned out, it was very addictive. And the blatant lies that they did on this drug, the 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 doctor reports that only less than 1%, that was a lie. Studies that were done never occurred. And they were making so much money on this drug because if you were a doctor, you're like, oh, I don't have to give a guy Valium or Xanax or all these, I can just give them this. But then the, dr the drug addicts, uh, you know, people got addicted to it. They realized that if you lick off the enamel on the out, not enamel, what do you call it? The shell, the coating, the coating and you rubbed it on your arm, uh, then you, you, you could take that and it, it hits you right away. Then they realized you can cr crush it, uh, um, uh, and then snort it, make it into a powder. Snort it gives you like a time release of this opioid in one shot. Uh, and they really marketed it at first in like West Virginia and Pennsylvania, these rural communities. And people got all messed up on it. And doctors, <coughs> Michael Keaton's character, gets hooked on it as well. And um, I know some people, I know like Rush Limbaugh definitely, it changed his voice and everything. He had all banged up. I do know a couple of people that I've worked with that live down in Florida that used to make jokes, man. They, they, and the joke was, they were like, oh, give me, I'll do cocaine all day long, five days, seven days a week, no problem. Give me one of those pills. The pills are the ones that screw you up. And this happened to be one of them. And we have some family friends that my uh, sister knows as well who have passed away on this kind of drug addiction, the pill popping. And these people, you know, were just didn't realize, and it was the doctor was honestly prescribing something. Do you know how many athletes, pro athletes, college athletes, high school athletes? And then what happens is there's a stigma attached to this, obviously, because what it does to you is it turns you down a dark path. Right. If you get a prescription for six months because you're dealing with a back injury or you got you, you blew out your ACL and the doctors don't. E the thing is, it's like when you hear something from a doctor, you're supposed to trust it. But when the doctors are getting their information from people that are lying to them, it's not like you went to medical school and you learned about this drug in medical school. If it's a new drug, you could only get what you get. And then they, there's no right, anecdotal and, and, evidence. What about the false labels by the... Uh, yeah, the false the label, FDA, which they the labeled FDA it differently, being... that it wasn't addictive. They also, um, these sales, you know, here's another creepy thing. Now, well, everybody knows how it kind of ended. What happened was Oxycontin is no longer um, prescribed and or on the market. Company made billions worldwide, billions worldwide. A lot of the higher ups in the company did get in trouble, but not they're not in jail for thirty years. They, like they don't, they had to sell the company. They're also still making that drug. right. So uh, it, yeah, that drug's not banned. Is that I thought they weren't. No, th no, that that drug is still you could, but it, out it, and about, full full on out and about. Wow, well, I, I thought it was it's monitored like, a lot more. It's, it's, monitored. it's, it's not as easy as to get. Like you're not going into. They doctors. only give you like three pills, but now they also yeah, how many doctors the, lost a lot. Right, they the lost their milligrams, and they kept on upping the milligrams. And as they upped the milligrams, no, no, it's safe to do it this way. Double up on it. I wonder how many sales reps are in this now. Now they're sixty years old, sixty-five years old. They must be having nightmares, knowing they knew yeah. that this drug was causing 
you know, and especially the way it started in rural, it started in areas, these small towns and grew. It wasn't like it was like, like it didn't get to LA or New York right away. It was started out in what, like in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It was like yeah. the, it was like the backwards of the crack pandemic or, right. or, 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 you know, things like that, where it didn't go into the inner cities. It was rural communities and it was just suburb, you know, suburbia. Right. Middle America. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a bunch of West Virginia Mountaineer and Penn State fans saying, I'm joking around, but those rural areas of that. And just um, people started to get hooked. And then there was these, like, clinics where um, these uh, Medicare clinics and everybody online was only getting OxyContin. And they were letting it, like, they were letting it happen because the clinic was making millions of dollars. there was no regulations either, so you could go to one doctor... Right, get a prescription, the and then be like, you know what? The doctor across uh, the way. Listen, I, I, yeah. I found it infuriating. Yeah, it yeah. Was that's very, the word to use. Yeah, I, me too. And uh, it, the, the the acting is so well done, and you go like, wow, like how did we let this happen? It happened right in front of us. Now, listen, I knew this. I kind of knew about the drug thing, and you know, yeah, we're not so, here to tackle um, the issue. Um, we're here really to talk, talk about, about the, the show, the, and the how, movie, how it depicted yeah. the issue because it was a really. And good I'm show. sure some of the things in the movie. There's always a little couple of things that are inaccurate. Always happens that way. Um, but I, this movie was really, really, it really just blew me away. I, I yeah. feel like this was one of the most accurate depictions of, of a situation like that that you could really get. Well, I, I, mean, I, the, I Googled it a little bit. There wasn't much to say, but, you know, listen, whenever you get, like, personal performances and stuff. But a lot of people, even to this day, are, um, you know, uh, you know they're, they're dead. It, in a weird way, it's a little bit like the AIDS thing in that. Um, I never forget they had a big uh, when I was out in, in LA. Um, I was with my roommate Henry, God rest his soul, and um, Hollywood Reporter did a big magazine, and they put very little pictures of people, tiny, like one centimeter by one centimeter across this like centerfold of all Hollywood people who died of AIDS, right? And I remember he had a magnifying glass. We were looking at it. And all it was was these young guys in their 20s and 30s, maybe a little kid, like young people. Uh, millions of a slice of of America was taken out during that crisis. And, you know, I don't want to get political, but, you know, the government, you know, is your favorite. You know, some politicians could have done a little better job, but there were stigmas attached. And the same thing in this uh Oxycontin, so many people lost their lives, if not their lives, their livelihood, their marriages, their children. One thing that was a little more eye-opening to me when I was watching it is that some people will say that these people had a choice, like you have a choice to make, and when you're watching the show, you realize that this drug takes such a hold of them that they really didn't have a choice. Like, they they needed it. Um, no, there's no... Look, they, it, they, you know, like it's, there might it's be so a choice hard. made initially if you're initially, at a party... But, but you have no hooked. idea what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. And you definitely don't have a choice to make if you're driving in your car and somebody sideswipes you and all of a sudden you got a major back injury and the doctor says, here, take this. It's going to make you better. Right, right. You were never and given the choice. It, and here's hooked, another thing. In hooked. the beginning, they had that one patient who for like 30 years couldn't move his arm above his shoulder. Michael Keaton gives him the pill and he's like, hey, Doc, man. Oh, my yeah. God. What a wonder. It was a wonder. It was like aspirin. Wonder right. drug. And then all of a sudden, it, it whatever it did to your body just uh, make you addicted to it. It's like, you know, you can talk about weakness in people, and there are there are people that believe in that. Like, you want to stop drinking, you want to stop doing drugs. Wake up in the morning and stop doing this drugs. This takes a hold on you. But uh, these chemicals, the way they're 
are. It's it's um, uh, it's it. it, it I just think the show's amazing. I will admit it's a little de depressing. Dark. When I told you, I was like, Jimmy, you should try that show out. I'm giving you the full disclosure, though. Like you're gonna, it's gonna I, bother you in some ways, but yeah. it's some one of those shows that you need to watch yeah. just to get a better understanding of the, how that all went down. It was. Uh, there were a couple of nights after, like maybe episode three or four. Um, where I went to bed, I would watch it before I went to bed, and it was I went to bed very depressed, like a little bit like my God, like, and then also like that could have been me. Yeah, I won't even watch that show with my girlfriend because she's just like, what do you? She doesn't want to see. No, that it's it's intense. Shit. It's also, um, it's intense and uh, and real and and maybe eighty percent factual. So and Michael Keaton will probably win an Emmy. <laughs> I think he should. I think it's and also I think it's a good. You want to talk about. I like you should get it to to raise awareness. Yeah, alone. There's a lot of other a lot of other nominations that went out for other causes. I think this one's a little more important. People dying, drug use, um, and uh, and then how about at the end when they were saying no, they don't the kid the the, the addict stopped doing oxycotton because it was eighty dollars a pill on the street and you get heroin for five bucks. That's, that's what, what led to the heroin, yeah, one, that's which what is like. You know, they can't afford the oxycotton. It's cheaper to, to buy heroin than it is to get. And the heroin kills them. And you know right. when it started to get regulated for real, when the lawmakers' kids started dying from it. Exactly too. right. And 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 why isn't fentanyl um, regulated beyond belief? You get caught with fentanyl, you're in big trouble. Like to me, if you get caught with tons and tons of heroin. You get 30 days. But if you get caught with tons and tons of fentanyl that can be used in heroin, which causes death, because heroin's not the stuff that kills you. Because if, if you talk to old drug addicts, the rock and rollers, they're like, nah, I lived for 30 years on, uh, on heroin. I managed it. Now you can be fine and you get one little off the street. You know, uh, it's just the, the, the whole thing is it's, it's just wild. And uh, I pray for everyone who's been affected by um by all this um also we got to give a shout out to that awful um drive through sh um killing the kids at the parade in wisconsin oh, yesterday yeah. um this, is, this show is you, you know what blew me away but i know we're being serious here but we'll end on a funny note but what blew me away about that is ramsey where i live they have i think it's like in two weeks christmas day and they have the fire engines go by and the band and some guy just, I don't know what's happening now, news on it, but like. Well, no, he was fleeing the scene of a crime. And he apparently. just blew out and he hit kids and little people. And oh, the, dear there's God. There's a group called the Dancing Grannies. Yeah. And he took out, like, there are these, you know, women. That yeah, up Ramsey and has people go out like and that. they dance. And I think three of them died from that group. Oh, my God. Just a terrible story. Um, kids. You know, uh, listen, I don't mean to end the show on Grammys getting killed and uh, <laughs> drug addicts, but. Go check out Dope Sick. So we both agreed what we got. Well, my other thing uh, on, on a fun note is the movie, the show Money Heist. I really I really got into it now. Um, I know you, you dabbled in it and didn't work for you, but for me, I really have no idea where this show is going. There's some really cool plot points. that. Um, so check out Money Heist on Netflix. Um, but... Uh, so listen, the bottom line is it's Thanksgiving. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Basically, Thanksgiving means family and turkey, which everybody says they don't like, but four billion turkeys are killed. For I'm going to put the food on your plate, Jim. Uh, yeah, should be watching me. Might have to, maybe, maybe I shouldn't show up for Thanksgiving. I'm work on Thanksgiving. I'm going to see my nephews. They're all in town. I'm happy about that. Um, 
on Friday, I'm look. I'm going to be going out with my daughter. I decided I do a pretty nice job of setting up my apartment with Christmas stuff, but I decided I'm going to go out and get a few more fun things, and I'm going to do it with her. So we're going to have some fun doing that. We're going to hang some stuff. I already got a nutcracker, big things. We're going to we're going to get goofy. We're going to have fun with that. But uh, really, it's all about hanging out with family. I get to see all my nephews because what sucks is my nephews. The closest nephew to me now is like. Um, One's at, at Virginia Tech, one lives in New York City, one's in L.A., one's in uh, Austin, and the other one's in North Carolina. So I only really, you know, get to see him on Thanksgiving. I see him three times a year, Thanksgiving. I tell my sisters this all the time now. I'm like, look, your kids are 13, 12. Like, it's about to end. And I don't mean that, in a, like, they don't want nothing to do with you soon. Right. you got to enjoy this. Like, my, my one nephew, he's like 11, and his brother now doesn't want anything to do with him. Right. He's I, 13. I worry about like that. You're at that age where he's starting to not want to do kid shit, and you got to take advantage the of minute, stuff, The man. minute my daughter starts blowing me off, I'll be real cool about it because I'll try to be the sensitive dad. But as soon as she leaves, I'll just stick my head in a pillow and cry for two hours, and that'll be <laughs> There's nothing worse. I know my sister's sitting here. She has an uh, empty nest now. Your one kid lives in New York. The other one lives in L.A. Yeah, it's hard. It really is. Everybody so you raised your children, and they live in, like, two of the biggest cities in the United States. I know. And I, I was know. part of I was part of Giant. I used to live in Nashville, and I loved visiting Nashville, but not so much L.A. Visiting. I know, but, but there's, there's things for you to do nice in, in LA, L.A. that you'll enjoy. But of course, my nephew works for the same management company that represents me, so um, hopefully, I'll have a long career there. But listen, happy Thanksgiving, everybody! But please go check out my show. I've, dude, I'm putting pressure on me for the show. I got I got to deliver now. I got to get behind center and march down right. Like what if I can't believe you're not going that way? I was, we'll never know if I truly sucked. Well, I'll watch the tape. I know we're gonna be. That's why it. I'm lending that camera because I got to see this. I can't miss it. I'm actually really upset about the fact my whole family's going. My girlfriend was really excited. She's not gonna go now and sit there and without me. Yeah, but because that she shows up, she'll be backstage in the green oh, room. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. We were gonna have Ashley do the do the behind the scenes shit, and now I gotta just give out. Gotta uh, hire somebody else. But anyway, it's going to be a great show. Uh, maybe you never know. Somehow, I think you still might show up. Yeah, I, have, I, I know. I know I you. You me. got that look in your face, like, uh, I'll, maybe I'll tell my new boss to go screw himself, and I'm going to show up. But no, go make money. You're better off. Um, but uh, so that's it, everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Do what you got to do with all that Spotify, Apple Podcast, and. Uh, Thanks for my sister for showing up here. Say goodbye, man. Nice being here at Chop Sports. Yes. All right. And by the way, we are wearing our Madison Palumbo. Yes, uh, the Madison and Palumbo attack. The most lucrative day in Chop Sports history. Given yes. to us by Susan and Joey. Susan and Joey bought like a gabillion shirts, which Chop Sports is thrilled about. Thanks for keeping the lights on here, Joey and Susan. And uh, <laughs> uh, of course, now I'm not even number one in shirt sales, but still consistent. Though, but come on. Um, and that's it. Jimmy Plumbo Show. We will see you next week with a very special guest.